Good afternoon. Would you stand with us and let's proclaim the Messiah's birth. the birth of Jesus today. It's exciting because he came because of me and my need for a savior. We've been talking through the characters of the Bible story of the birth of Christ over the past three weeks. And today we are talking about Mary. 
and all the things that Mary had to say yes to when presented by God with this opportunity to carry the Christ child. And they weren't easy yeses, but because she had a trust and faith in God and his word, she was able to walk in obedience. Follow that theme all the way through the service here. We can record Mary's response to Gabriel's word in, in the book, in the Bible. In this passage, we call the Magnificat. It's the prayer that Mary has when she says, Praise God for considering me worthy. All glory and praise to Him and His name. This song, the first verse, comes directly from that. Riley, would you sing that for us? opportunity to lay that down before the Savior, but to consider softening your heart to His Word and to His will so that He can do what He wants in your life. Let's lay it down. Oh, 
Christmas, everybody. Is it Mary? Listen, uh, we live in difficult times. Uh, not unlike the times that Mary lived in when she was um, given an invitation by God to enter into his story, to alter the course of her life and to change things altogether. A different plan, a different path. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, it reads this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. God came to Mary with an invitation. An invitation to a young girl who was a virgin, who was betrothed, she was engaged, she was to be married to Joseph, two good Jewish young people from a town not famous, but pretty good town to be from, which was Nazareth. People made jokes about it, but it was still a pretty good town. They were following the right path, and they had a good plan. They were doing things right. But God sent one of his most powerful angels, Gabriel, who we see in the Old Testament in Daniel, revealing some of the dreams that God gave to Daniel, telling him what they meant. Gabriel is in the presence of God, one of God's top angels. And Gabriel comes with a message for Mary. He spoke words over her that she was not familiar with. He had a special mission for her. You know, God comes to everyone at some point in their life. I wonder when that was for you. When did God come and whisper into your life, come and follow me. I want you to be part of my plan. If it's never happened before, well, it's gonna happen today. Because God, his invitation goes out to each one of us. We're a part of the human race. We're a part of the reason that Jesus came to earth. 
and he always comes with an invitation, I wonder, could you say yes to God's plan? God calls us to be a part of his story, the story that he's writing of the human race. When God comes to Mary, again, he speaks words over her that she doesn't quite understand. He says, he calls her, uh, the angel Gabriel calls her favored woman, and he says, the Lord is with you. And her response is what? To be concerned and disturbed. She's not sure what it could mean. I know when God comes to us and he calls to us, oftentimes our first response is fear. I know a lot of people just feel fear walking into church. It's like, you know, God is holy and perfect and pure and I I don't come anywhere close to him. How could I even hear from him? How could I talk to him? And so that fear of his holiness or his judgment, punishment, that's kind of how we relate to God a lot of times. And yet God, when he comes to us, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come with a judge's gavel. Jesus came bringing a message of hope, Forgiveness, redemption, grace. He didn't come to judge us for our sin and our shortcomings and our failures and our rebellion, but he came to heal and to restore the relationship between us and God. Instead of the fear of punishment, we can have the hope of change. The problem is what is required when God whispers in our ear, come and follow me, is change is required. We must surrender our lives and our will to his. We must give up the control that we like and that we have and accept our need for change. We must accept the reality that we need forgiveness from God. And we must come humbly before him. He offers it to us freely, that hope, that healing, that forgiveness Don't buy the lie that you could not, will not, have gone too far away to ever change. Don't believe the lie that you've sinned too greatly, that God could never accept somebody like you. Listen to me closely. Your power and your ability to sin is not greater than Jesus' blood that paid for it. You're not more powerful than God. I don't care what you've done. You're not so far away that God can't call you back to himself, that he can't forgive you. And that's the message that we find at Christmas. I wonder, would you say yes to God's plan? He calls us into a plan that cannot fail because God doesn't fail. In the midst of what looked like failure, God always brings victory. God's plan is good No, it's better. No, it's the best. It's the best plan for your life. God calls you into a plan that you could never conceive of on your own. He calls you into a plan again of healing and restoration, of turning the bad in your life into good, of bringing about healing in your life of things that you can't imagine ever being healed of. He's going to use you in ways you couldn't conceive of. Saying yes to his plan means, again, surrendering your plan. You've got to give up control. Mary, when she was offered the invitation to become a a part of God's plan, to become the mother of the Messiah, again, her question, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And when she was told the answer, that didn't mean that all of her problems went away. Some of the concerns were still going to be in place because she was going to be considered an adulterer. Her husband was going to want to divorce her. 
She was going to be viewed as in her town of Nazareth as one of those Jewish girls that just couldn't wait. She was going to, her reputation was going to be affected, but only before people who didn't know the truth. Because in God's eyes, she would be humble, obedient, a servant of the Most High God. Mary's response to Gabriel and his invitation to be a part of God's story was ultimately yes. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Mary said yes to God's plan. At the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to say yes as well. I wonder, will you say yes to God's plan for your life?
There's so much I could say today. But let me begin, as I always do. Oh, how I praise you, Lord. How I rejoice in you, O God, my Savior. For you have taken notice of your lowly servant girl, and now... Generation after generation will call me blessed. For you, the mighty one, are holy. And you have done great things for me. I never did like the attention on me. (laughs) I preferred the background jobs. Just seeing what needed to be done and doing it without anyone else noticing. I flush easily, too. (laughs) But that is not the story God saw fit to give me, now is it? (laughs) When this journey began and I met the angel in my home that day, I quickly wrestled with the information he gave me. But it did not take me long to say yes to Gabriel. (laughs) After he left, though, I considered my lot. Saying yes to him was going to come with a cost, and I would have to give up my beloved shadows for the spotlight. And it would be a difficult truth to explain. (laughs) That first yes to Gabriel was a difficult one, yes. But I am grateful that I didn't yet know how many more difficult yeses were to come. (laughs) Yes, I would carry the Messiah in my womb. Yes, I would ride on the back of a donkey all the way to Bethlehem. (laughs) And yes, I would deliver the Christ child in a dirty stable next to the animals. (laughs) And yes, I would gaze down at his sweet face as he nursed at my chest. (laughs) And yes, I would let those somewhat smelly shepherds in for a sneak peek. (laughs) And yes, I would take him on the right day to the temple for circumcision meeting Simeon and Anna and hearing their warnings of what was to come. And yes, I would leave my newfound community in Bethlehem to move to an escape in the middle of the night to a land I had never even seen. And then yes, I would leave my newfound community in Egypt to move and make our home in Nazareth, even though I know the age-old saying, nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. 
And yes, I would raise a boy into a man, even though he is the one who created me. And yes, <clears throat> I would be fraught with worry when my preteen showed up missing. And yes, I would grow and follow him and my heart would nearly burst with pride when he began his earthly ministry, turning water into wine at Cana <laughs> and healing the sick on our front doorstep and in our communities and beyond and teaching from every hillside and boat and synagogue and everywhere in between. And yes, I would be there even when even even when he gave up his life as ransom for many. And yet, I would feel my heart nearly tear in two just as the curtain did in the temple. As he, as he finished his earthly life, making a way for all to know and love and serve him. And yes, I would even go to the tomb and touch the stone where his body laid those three days. Saying goodbye to the baby I had birthed, the boy I had raised, the man I had followed, and the Lord to whom I had given my life. And then, yes, I would go home to serve from the shadows once more, watching as the followers of my Jesus grew in strength and in number, proclaiming to all this new covenant that he left with us. And yes, I would treasure all of these yeses in my heart, the good and the hard, knowing that he will turn them all for good in the end. I look back now and I know that I was not capable of one of those yeses. I, I was just a, a shy young girl with not a clue. But I chose to believe Gabriel in what he told me that day in my home. That nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I no longer had to look at, at myself, my shyness, my insecurities, my story. I could look at him. 
His majesty, his consistency, his might, his story. Oh, Lord, your mighty outstretched arms have taken princes from the thrones and lifted up the lowly. For you have not forgotten your promise to be merciful. For you have promised to be merciful forever. Amen. Good evening, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Good to have you guys all with us. And when we look at the Christmas story... I think one of the most amazing things that we see is God's desire to partner with mankind. That throughout the scripture, God talks about us, human beings, being his co-laborers or even his partners in the gospel. The story of Mary, I think, is a great example of this, of God literally choosing a woman to birth God in the flesh. The one who would come to save us from our sins. But the cool thing about this is that for all of us who've received the gospel of Jesus Christ... God desires each and every one of us to be a part of his plan for salvation, to bring the good news, to make disciples of all nations. But how do we become a part of this plan? I think as we look at the story of Mary, we're going to see three really essential things that God did in her life that made her a vessel that could be used for God's glory. Number one that we'll see what Mary does is that she recognizes her need. The first thing we must do in coming to God is we, we must believe that we need him. If we don't think we need good news, then the good news isn't good news for us. The first thing we need to do is recognize our need for God. The second thing we're going to see that Mary did was she trusted in the word of God. That she put aside her feelings, she put aside her experiences, she put aside the turmoil, her own idea of right and wrong, and she embraced and trusted in God's word. Number three, we're going to see that Mary endured through trials and tribulations and suffering so that she could be a vessel, not just in good times, but in the hardest times for the glory of God. Luke chapter 2, verse 33 and 35 says this. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, speaking of Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. For a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary received God's word in different ways. She had received it through a dream. She had received it through angels. She had known the Old Testament scriptures. But here, this prophet speaks to her about um, what was to come of Jesus and his ministry. And what's interesting about this prophecy is there's really three parts to it. One, there's good news. That Mary's promise that Jesus Christ would bring salvation, he would cause the people in Israel to rise, that they would be delivered from their sins and they'd come into a relationship with God. But there'd also be bad news, that not only would Jesus cause the rising of those in Israel, but he would also cause the fall. That through the message of the gospel and God becoming a man, that he would bring judgment on those who would reject him. And in the midst of all this, Christ continually brought opposition. There was division, there was conflict wherever Jesus went. And the question I think you and I should think about is why would a message about God becoming a man, living a perfect life, dying for our sins, why would that cause opposition? Why would that make people so angry that they would crucify 
Jesus Christ. I think it's because of what Simeon says at the end of this scripture. He says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, the truth is you and I are very good at hiding the thoughts, the intents of our heart. We're very good at hiding the sin and the wickedness, the hardness of heart. And so what's going on the inside doesn't come out on the outside. We can fool those around us of what's truly in our heart. Not only that, but we can get so good at this, hiding what's in our heart, justifying our sin. We can get so good at it that we end up deceiving ourselves where we don't even understand what's truly in our heart. We don't understand how, fall, how short we've really fallen of God's glory. But Simeon says, and we see this in the scriptures, that as Jesus walked amongst men, as he preached the gospel, as he healed the, healed, healed the sick, that he saw the hearts of men be revealed. And two things happened. Either people saw their heart being revealed, they saw their sinfulness, they saw their need for God, and they ran to Christ. They humbled themselves as Mary did, or they rejected him, or their heart got hard, or their pride swelled up, and they rejected the light that was being given to them. See, Jesus did this to people because he was the word of God. That Jesus, the Bible says that God became a man in Jesus Christ, but also that the word became flesh. Jesus was the living word of God, the physical representation of God's word. And the cool thing about this, this revealing of the hearts of man, the word of God, Jesus Christ, he's still doing this today. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 and 13, the scripture says this, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. As Jesus Christ lived his life, fulfilled his ministry, no one could have a neutral reaction to Christ because he was bringing out what was in the depths of their heart. When Mary heard the word of Christ, when she heard the word of God spoken to her, she did not run, she didn't justify. But as we heard in our, our skit, she realized that there was nothing impossible with God, that she was able to put aside her weakness and embrace the grace of God in her life. Also, I think Mary had to witness the opposition that Jesus experienced on a day-to-day -day basis. If you've ever loved someone and you've seen them suffer, maybe that's been physical suffering, maybe that's been rejection, maybe that's been betrayal, it's extremely difficult to watch someone we love suffer. And Mary saw that day in and day out, saw Jesus suffer. Not only that, she saw the division he caused. He caused division in their family. His own brothers didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He caused division in the religious circle, in the nation of Israel. Jesus caused division in um, the Roman Empire to the point where he was um, crucified and betrayed. And what we're gonna find in the scripture, scripture is that we, when we take the heart of Mary, when we really stand on the word of God, um, we'll be opposed too. That we'll receive the same type of uh, treatment that Jesus did. So the question that I think is important is how did Mary make it through all this? How was she able to see her son treated this way? How was she able to stand on the truth of God despite the suffering that she went through? Isaiah 66 verse one and two says this. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all these things my hand is made and all these things exist says the Lord, but on this one will I look, or on this one will I use. 
on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. See, Mary wasn't used because she was some great person with all these great gifts. Mary was used because she was someone who was humble. She recognized her need for God. She recognized that she needed a savior. But the second thing she did is she didn't just say that with her mouth, but she lived it out with her life. That as she heard the word of God, she responded full-heartedly, surrendered her life to God and was his vessel. That she feared God's word to the point of obeying it, regardless of how she felt, regardless of how hard it seemed, and even sometimes when she totally didn't understand it. And this is what makes Mary blessed. Mary's not just blessed. We don't talk about her at Christmas just because she birthed the Messiah. But Mary is blessed because she was someone who obeyed and kept the word of God for his glory. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 11, verse 27 and 28 says this, and it happened as he spoke these things, Jesus, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. So blessed is your mom. She's birthed the Messiah. But Jesus says, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. See, the encouragement that we need, the the reminder that we need is being used by God in great ways is not necessarily the blessing. God can use a lot of people. He can use a lot of things. The blessing, the joy, the pleasure, the intimacy, the endurance to live through this life comes from humbling ourselves underneath God, hearing his word and doing it. There's no bigger blessing than obeying God. It's the greatest joy that you can have this side of eternity is to hear the word of God and to do it. But as Simeon said, to hear God's word and to do it will not happen without a cost. 2 Timothy 3 uh, verse 12 says, and yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Doesn't say might, doesn't say probably, but if we are servants like Mary who humble ourselves, we tremble at God's word, God's word promises us that just as Jesus was opposed, so the world will oppose us. Just as Christ was persecuted, so we would be persecuted in following Jesus Christ in the way that he has called us. And as Simeon said to Mary that a a sword would pierce her soul, she would have immense physical or immense spiritual and emotional pain. So the message for us is that as intense as it is to follow Christ, as big of a blessing that it is to follow Christ, we can't do this in our own strength. This is solely and totally has to be dependent upon the grace of God. It requires surrender, but it's surrender to his grace. The scripture says that we are saved, not by works, but that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And what's cool about this is not only are we saved by grace through faith, but we are used by God, by grace through faith. That we grow in our faith by God's grace through faith. The Christian life is this never ending circle of recognizing our need, recognizing that I have so much pride and sinfulness in my heart that if I don't acknowledge God, if I don't humble myself underneath God on a daily basis and tremble at his word, that one, my sin's gonna get the best of me, but two, I will not be able to endure the call that he's given us. So the question I think is so important for us to um, contemplate this Christmas, Christmas season is one, do you personally, do you see your need for God? We always say we need God. 
But does our life show that I'm in desperate need of God? That I, I have to rely on God in how I live my life. I have to rely on God in his word and when I make decisions and how I make decisions, how I treat people. That without God, like we heard in our skit, without God, I can do nothing. Not just some things, but I can do nothing. The second question I think we need to really contemplate is do we tremble at God's word? Man, that's a, that's a big phrase. Do we tremble at God's word? Do we have a hunger? Do we have a thirst for the word of God? So I want to encourage you that that is the only way to truly endure as a disciple of Christ. Many disciples of Jesus fell away. And for us to remain faithful to the call that God's put on our life, we have to recognize our need, humble ourselves, and we have to have a hunger and a thirst for his righteousness and for his word. So I pray that as a church in this Christmas season that we would be disciples who can endure to the end, who can be like Mary, that are faithful to God's call to the very end. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Let's respond in worship to what he just shared. We get to sing in this song, my life, my praise, everything I own to Jesus, the King in a manger thrones. Would you stand with us and let's sing together? You could have stepped into creation with fire for all to see. Brought every tribe and nation to their knees Arriving with the host of heaven In royal robe and crown The rulers of the earth all bowing down But you chose me as over majesty Wrapped your power in humanity This is our king From heaven to the cradle 
Well, God's invitation to us gives us the opportunity to say yes. Once we say yes, as Pastor Luke shared, we're going to suffer resistance to that yes. It's going to be tested. Anytime you try to do something to obey God, honor God with your life, you know you face resistance. You're all of a sudden going to be tempted in a stronger way. There's somebody that's going to come into your life, try to pull you back the other direction, away from what you're trying to do to honor God and obey him with your life. Mary's life was no different. She faced resistance to the obedience to follow God's plan for her life. The last thing, though, that we see from Mary that I think we can all benefit from and learn from is how to sustain within God's plan over a lifetime. It's not an easy thing to do. Many people start off to follow Jesus. They raise their hand or they pray a prayer, say, God, I want you in my life, and they begin to try to live for him. But over time, they face a crisis of belief They face issues and trials and situations that just shake them to the core. And Mary is no different. I can't imagine anyone facing a stronger challenge to belief, to faith. The promises that God had made, the angel Gabriel told her what Jesus would become. His kingdom would never end. (laughs) Victory. And yet she stood along with the rest of his followers in the same place, at the foot of the cross, watching things go the wrong direction. What must have looked to her like failure. John 19, 25 through 27, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Mary's burdens and sorrows were many. Being the mother of the Messiah, the chosen one of God, wasn't just her son, but his father was in heaven. And as she watched him discover his destiny and move in that direction to follow his father, his heavenly father, remember when they took him to the temple and they went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and And uh, he found his way into the temple to talk to the religious leaders. And the family 
headed back to Nazareth and they discovered after some time he wasn't with them. They went back to Jerusalem trying to find him and all of a sudden it took them a while. They found him in the temple and he said, what? I don't know why you were looking for me. Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Had to sting a little bit, though it was true and she knew it was true, what it meant for Jesus to follow his heavenly father and to follow the destiny that God had for his life. What about in Matthew 12 when Mary and Jesus' brothers went, Jesus was teaching in a home and, and they sent a message in to have him come out and talk to him. They wanted to talk to him probably because they had some concerns. And Jesus says to the crowd, who are my real mother and brothers is those who do the will of God. She had to watch Jesus find his identity and become the Messiah and, and begin to save and heal and forgive sins and do his ministry, but also be rejected by many of the people that he came to save. If you and I are going to sustain in God's plan over a lifetime, we're going to need power that we do not possess, power that's beyond us. If you're going to walk with God over a lifetime and face these crises of belief that you surely will face, how you get through them, how you sustain through them, is you're going to need the joy of the Lord to be your strength. You're going to need the peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit within you, and you're going to need to live by the Spirit, see the fruit of the Spirit flow through your life and come out, evidence that God's in you and you're living your life in and through him. You're going to need to forgive those who sin against you and offend you and persecute you on a daily basis. You're going to need to stay connected to Jesus. As he said in John 15, I'm the vine and you are the branches. You must remain in me to bear any fruit and without me, you can do nothing. Mary's burden led her to the foot of the cross to watch her son, but also her Messiah suffer and die. She was able to sustain through that trial, which for all the disciples was a trial, a trial of belief, but she sustained through it because she continued to believe what the angel had told her was true, what she had seen in Jesus, the ministry he performed, the, the things that she knew that he could do as he did them, as she watched him, her faith remained strong. Though she suffered pain and loss by saying yes to God's invitation to become a part of his plan for her life, she also had many blessings. She remembered the things that took place leading up to Jesus' birth and even beyond where the angel Gabriel, the angel Gabriel appeared to her and revealed to her this opportunity to be a part of God's plan the Holy Spirit overshadowing her, Jesus being placed in her. Only she knew what that was like. She knew the miracle involved. Joseph's dream that saved their marriage and kept him from divorcing her. The shepherds who came to see Jesus the night he was born and told of the angels who appeared in the sky testifying to the miracle of Jesus' birth. The Magi, the kings who came from the east, traveling from a far distance, who came with bearing gifts and worshiping. The dreams that Joseph had that saved them from Herod's attempt on Jesus' life. 
his first miracle that she knew he could do. Jesus, we're running out of wine at the wedding. You can fix the problem. Oh, come on, mom. It's not my time yet. Come on, Jesus. We need some help here. Do what you can do. I think it's amazing that as we go through life, if you do say yes to following God's plan, to the invitation to be a part of his plan in human history, you will suffer loss. You will face persecution. You will experience pain and suffering. It will happen. But like so many things, there's an other side of the coin, which is just like Mary's life to experience so many blessings, so many amazing miracles that she alone got to participate in because she said yes. Would you be able to see the miracle that God wants to perform in and through you? You could participate in God's work on the earth. Be a part of the eternal, the transformational, the miraculous. If you and I would say yes, sustain through the suffering and move through our lives following him. I think one of the most powerful evidences that Jesus is the Messiah, he is who he said he was, is that his mother and his brothers who didn't believe in him, they're a part of the group who saw Jesus after the resurrection. They saw him at the ascension when he went back to heaven at the Mount of Olives, and they remained with the group in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. They sustained through their tests of faith to continue to follow him. In Acts 1.14, this group of 120 who remained, who were in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit, uncertain of the future, who, who they just had got the great commission from Jesus and got their marching orders. It says this, then they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Evidence that he is who he said he was. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He invites you into his story. He invites you to respond to the message of hope and forgiveness. I wonder, would you say yes to God's plan? Would you suffer the resistance to God's plan? Would you sustain within God's plan until he returns or you go to be with him? His offer is an offer of forgiveness and hope, and he offers it to you today. Jesus is calling you to believe in him, to trust in him, to repent of your sins and follow him. I wonder, would you be willing to say yes to him today? If you want to get your candles out, we're going to sing Silent Night and light our candles together. If you want to grab your candle and stand up. We got a little bit of uh, instructions here. These are real candles, so only way to do it. But if you have a lit candle, do not tip it. Keep it pointed upright. And then as other people come in and light their candle, that's the way we're going to do this, let them tip their candle, right? And come in and see how that works. That way nobody gets wax on them, nobody gets hurt. So we're going to start the candles from the front here and just pass your light on to somebody else and let somebody else light their candle from yours.
three. Let's blow them out. One, two, three. Thank you. Well, if we can have you guys take a quick seat real quick. We, uh, we want to give you guys uh, a chance to respond to the gospel tonight. Uh, we've been talking about it all night. If, if we are, we're asking you if you're ready to say yes to Jesus. And this is that, this is that moment, this is that, that chance where you can say yes to God and have him move in your heart and be Lord of your life. And I want to I just challenge you for a second of what do we really think of when we think of Christmas? A lot of times we think of the lights, we think of the music, we think of caroling, we think of Santa Claus, right? Those are, those are our immediate thoughts. And we put Jesus kind of on the back burner. And maybe we'll think about him once or twice throughout the, the Christmas season. And for sure, we're going to show up to Christmas Eve service because it's maybe part of our tradition as a family. But I want to challenge you. And Jesus wants to challenge you most of all for more than that. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you daily. And, and to know that, that walking with Jesus is more than just a Christmas Eve service. It's more than just a prayer. It's a relationship with God. I, I also pray that through this series and, and through this ser- the service that you guys are, are seeing that the greatest gift that we can ever receive is Jesus. But that's the one gift that truly matters compared to anything else we can ever get in this world. Romans uh, 3.23 tells us why we need Jesus. And this is the most important part. If you are thinking of saying yes to Jesus, I really need you to understand this. Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody, everybody in this room, everybody that will be born later on, everybody in the past, we have all sinned against God and we have naturally rebelled against him. And because of this, we fall short of his standard, his standard of goodness. There is not one good person on this planet And even when we think we are doing good, our sinful nature will take over and it can ruin the goodness that God wants us to have. Not one person is good and we all fall short of God's glory. Whether that's having disobedience with your parents when you're growing up, stealing cookies from the kitchen, whether that's gossiping, drama, lying, those are all different sins that we've committed that God doesn't want us to do. And Romans 6.23 tells us that for the wages of those sins is death. That we deserve condemnation. We deserve punishment. But the beautiful thing is that it goes on and it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And not to, not to put a damper on your guys' Christmas, but I think we need to have the reality of the fact that there is a hell. There is a place for people to go if they do not want to be in relationship with God. And God will give you exactly what you want. Complete separation from him. But I will tell you, hell is not a party. It is not a good time. It, it is a place where you realize that you should have repented and had a relationship with him. It is a place where you will be separated from every good thing that God gives us. It is a place of no joy. It is a place of no peace. And it is a place of no rest. And God doesn't want us to go there. God does not desire for us to go there. God wants to have a relationship with us. And we see that John 3, 16 talks about how Jesus, the one begotten son came and died for us, that he loved us so much that he would do that. And Romans 5, 8 also tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we mock God, while we are disobedient to God, while we tell God, hey, I don't need you, I can run my own life. God still came and live the life that we couldn't. Jesus, Jesus died for us, 
even when we hated him. And I don't know about you, but, but to really think about the fact that Jesus would do something like that is amazing. I would have the hardest time dying for somebody if they caused me trauma, if they caused me issues in my life. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I love you. I want you to have a relationship with me again, so I will die for you. Do you understand what God is doing for you? What God did for you? The good news is that in Romans 10, 9, it also says that if we declare, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that we can have that free gift of eternal life. So my question to you is, are you ready for that? Are you tired of the way your life is going and it feels like every day something's going wrong? Or you have no control of what is going on in your life? Some of you, maybe you, you try to cope with the pain by running the drugs and alcohol and, and you're hoping, hey, this might not give me relief every day, but at least it can give me a brief temporary relief. For some of us, we also chase after things like the pleasures of this world. We chase after the new car. We chase after the new house, the promotion, the big family. And we think, oh, maybe these things will, will give my life purpose. Maybe these things will give my life meaning. And the Bible is pretty clear that, that those things do not they don't. Ecclesiastes is pretty clear on it too. And it also says, um, at the right of the beginning of chapter one, it says, hevel, hevel, everything is hevel. And what hevel is, it's, a, it's the Hebrew word that means everything is like a smoke. Everything is like vapor. I can see smoke. I can acknowledge that smoke's in front of me. But as soon as I try to reach out and grab that smoke, what happens? It disappears, right? It goes away. And that's what our life is like. And that's what pursuing these things is like. If we pursue those things and we feel like we're going to have meaning, God tells us that at the end of our lives, it is gone. And even if we do receive those things, we're going to, we're going to regret them. We're going to resent them because when we stand at judgment and God says, hey, I offered you grace, I offered you forgiveness, but you didn't take it. You chased everything else. We will have to just stand there and say, I know. I'm so sorry. And there will be no more forgiveness. Where are you going to be on judgment day? Where are you going to be when God asks you, why didn't you put your faith in me? So many of us are chasing after things that will never satisfy us. We're chasing after things that will never bring meaning to our lives. And what we want you to understand here at Mitchell Berean Church is that Jesus is the only person that will give you meaning. Jesus is the only person that will give you purpose. Jesus died so that you can have a restored relationship with him and live in eternity with him forever in heaven being in the presence of God's love, God's mercy, God's just, just nature. God wants you to have that relationship with him. So we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a moment to just pray. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and telling you, I want to receive God's mercy. I want to receive Jesus as my savior. We're gonna pray for that. And we're gonna bow our heads and, and just thank God for what he's done. And if you, if you do pray that prayer, we're gonna have a phone number that you can text and a QR code that you can scan. We wanna get in touch with you. Because like Pastor Luke and Pastor John have been saying that it's more than just saying a prayer. It's a commitment. It's walking day by day by day with God. Even when things seem hard and knowing that God is more powerful, knowing that God can see our whole lives, that he's in control. I would rather have that than to feel like I have no clue of what I'm doing on my own. I'd rather have God's peace and love over me than to try to do it on my own. 
is the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart and asking you to receive him. And don't, don't deny it. Don't try to fight it. I'm telling you, it's the best gift that you will ever receive. It's the gift that we didn't even know we needed. Don't worry about what your, the people around you might think. Don't worry about what your coworkers will think in the future. Don't worry about any of that. Just know that Jesus is life, that God's ways will give you life. So if you're ready to receive that, we're gonna pray real quick. And if you guys just wanna bow your heads and just pray, pray this in your heart. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming to this earth and living a life that I, I never could have. Lord, I, I just praise you. And I, and I am so grateful that you would choose me, that you would desire me, that you would leave heaven and live on this planet so that I can have a restored relationship with you. Jesus, today I put my faith in you. I ask you to take control of my life. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you defeated death and was raised from the dead. And Lord, I ask that today that I am putting my faith in you or, or coming back to you, recommitting my life to you, that Jesus, you would help me to have a desire for you every day, to, to love you more than I love the world, to, to put you above everything. Jesus, we just thank you and we love you, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. If you responded to the gospel, we invite you to message that number. You are not meant, we are not meant to walk this life alone. We are meant to walk in a community of believers. That number is also on that piece of paper you have and that QR code there. So even on the way leaving here, if you didn't catch it on the screens, 717 Hope MBC. Um, let us know. We want to walk with you. And if you placed your faith in Christ, you get to celebrate another birth at Christmas time. You celebrate the birth of Jesus, but you celebrate the birth of your spiritual life. And all the angels of heaven are singing in heaven. That's what scripture says. And there's a party going on if you placed your faith in Jesus. Would you stand with us and let's sing how these angels sang at Jesus' birth.
Amen. Let's give him glory, give him praise. Yes, this news about Jesus doesn't stay here. It goes with us as we proclaim Jesus. Man, that was such a blessing to worship with you. How about we do it again next week? Eight o'clock, 11 o'clock, we'd love to see you and worship with you again. Starting a new series as we look into the word about what God's prescription is for his church, for us to grow together. And we have an intentional plan as a church to do that. We'd love to grow with you. Love you, church. Blessings. Have a wonderful Christmas.